thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. And welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey, and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Now, in today's episode, we're changing tack a little and, and going down a path of talking all things to do with kitchens, uh, or more specifically, having an organized kitchen, because being in our kitchen to whip up some kind of culinary delight when we're tired and exhausted isn't exactly appealing for the majority of shift workers out there. Um, so, but if our, if our kitchens are really organized and this can actually, um, you know, relieve a whole lot of that uh, stress and anxiety um, around our already uh, exhausted and overstimulated uh, nervous systems. It's why I brought on Ashley Jubinville, otherwise known as the kitchen coach to talk with us uh, this morning. Ashley is an inspiration in the kitchen and an advocate for vibrant health through real food with a background in structural engineering, a personal story of healing autoimmune disease and an immense love of the kitchen, she has developed her unique practical approach to food because without the how, old habits creep back in. I can certainly agree with that one. Uh, Ashley has also even created the world's first live cooking show, has authored three books and featured in various media, um, you know, run programs across Australia and speaks to the public and school audiences regularly. So to talk all things getting organized in the kitchen, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Ashley. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Thank you, Audra. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) It's great to be here. I feel uh, very um, lucky to be in front of your wonderful shift workers who uh, that is definitely many professions that uh, I couldn't do myself. So yeah, kudos going out to everyone. would love to support where I can. Terrific. I think you're going to um, have a lot of people eagerly tuning in to every word that you're going to share with us, uh, Ashley, because if you can help us to get better organized in the kitchen, I think everybody will be wanting to give you a bit of a cyber hug. <laughs> Oh, well, I, being a Canadian, I love my hugs. So, yeah, that, that'll fit in. That's good. Uh, oh, good. Actually, on that note, I, I know I do have quite a lot of Canadian listeners and followers. I'm not sure how that came about. I do have relatives in Canada, so maybe maybe <laughs> they're doing a bit of promo for me. I'm not quite sure. But what part of Canada are you originally from? I'm from the west side, the west coast. So um, in BC and Alberta, kind of both. Got it. Um, yeah, yeah, loved it there. It just was a little bit too cold for me. <laughs> oh my goodness, I totally agree. But I would have to say, um, I would like to live in Canada for six months of the year, and then as soon as yes. it gets cold, hot foot back over here, <laughs> which is probably what you do a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yes, more and more so. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I'm really um, interested in talking about this topic on the podcast, Ashley, because there's so much focus around what we should be eating, but actually putting that in. Into, a, into practice and in a way that we can do it easily is often the missing link for most people, which I know there's, you know, this is a lot of the focus in what you do. But before we get um, started in, in the nitty gritty of everything, could you share a little bit about your story, like how you became to do what you're doing now? Sure. Yes, definitely. It's kind of a bit of a, I don't know what you say, like a hodgepodge, interesting journey there. I guess you could say I just kept taking one step and putting it in front of the other and, and, 
and finding out, um, yeah, what I guess I was meant to be doing or, or thriving in. So I was, I've always been a big believer in, I guess, following my heart and trying to figure out how I can live up to my fullest potential, even though I didn't know what that meant. So aside from all the details on the way, um, probably the most important pieces um, that would explain where I'm at now. Uh, I started out obviously as a kid, um, particularly with my mother and father who had a pretty good uh, awareness around food and they were really, really great with helping us eat really good quality food and uh, learning how to prepare that. So my mom took a really particular interest in, in making sure that we understood how to cook from a young age. And so I think I took a liking to it very young. And that evolved with, you know, having my dad have his garden and and moving through to me just taking, I, I think, a personal interest in it naturally. Um, and then sort of fast forwarding through well, actually, my, my mom loves the story of me being a little organizer by nature. And she said by five, <laughs> by five years old, I was organizing my friend's birthday parties, whether they liked it or not. And wow. when, when a little kid would rock up to the door, I'd, I'd go and answer the doorbell and I'd take the present from him and I'd tell them where all the kids were and I'd show them where to go. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> it was bossy, but anyways. Um, yeah, so it started from that age. And then it wasn't until my early 20s where kind of everything sort of flipped itself on the head a little bit. And um, I was starting out in my uh, ripe young career of being an engineer. And yeah, everything started to fall apart really quickly with my health. Uh, and look, it, it felt like it was quick, but obviously it had been coming for many years. And in hindsight, looking back, there were lots of signs uh, growing up that I would wish now that I would have known uh, were there. However, uh, this diagnosis of autoimmune disease, particularly celiac disease, was a big wake-up call for me. And it um, it ended up meaning that I, uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't work. I couldn't do my job at that point, um, just, just before the diagnosis and before I knew what to do to fix myself. Uh, and after having done hundreds and hundreds of dollars, well, thousands of dollars in, you know, trying to get answers like most people do, going mm. to this specialist and what's going on and mm. all the tests come back and say, you're fine, you're fine. You know, they make you think, am I dreaming this up? Like, so, um, yeah, I, I basically kind of quit everything, quit my job, this new career that I'd kind of, you know, moved continents to start working on. And um and ended up having to just figure out myself and figure out my health. So I dove even deeper into my love of food and I really felt that there had to have been an answer um, in that in that arena with food. Um, so long story short, I started putting the pieces together for my own health and it was working. Uh, in particular, if for me, given that it was celiac disease, the first port of call that I went down was the gluten-free thing. But it ended up opening up this whole beautiful can of worms. You know, you think it's this big um, bad news thing that you're getting, but in hindsight, it was probably the biggest blessing in disguise because of where it's led me to now. So I really just hooked in and, and did, I guess, the research that I needed to do because there was no one around me that was there to help me at the time uh no one had kind of i guess a, a way to show me how to do this and to get through the autoimmune disease which is essentially just figuring out uh, food in your diet that's going to prevent chronic inflammation from mm. okay so i went through that uh within a couple of weeks of really getting a handle on it my symptoms were pretty much clearing up and then over the course of the next couple of years um i, I effectively was able to say look I've, I've halted this thing for sure the symptoms were all gone um and since then it just continues to get better and better but in that journey uh i just immersed myself in food this is once i was able to start working again and so i've kind of like i said worked in a whole bunch of different areas of food trying to 
figure out which piece of it was my piece. And it wasn't until uh, I started working with a family as their cook, essentially, that uh, things kind of started to come together. And their friends of their family started to notice what exactly I was doing with this family. And I, I didn't really think I was doing anything different or special. I was just doing what I knew. But it ended up completely transforming, I guess, their lives in terms of, you know, the, the picky eaters not being so picky anymore and everyone feeling like everything was more under control and more organized even when I wasn't there just because of what I'd set up and put in place um, and little things like that. So eventually their friends of the family ended up asking me, you know, can you, can you come and do what you've done for these guys with us with our family and and then that kind of flew flew on to their uh, friends and next thing you know I kind of had to formalize it into the kitchen coach and really figure out how I was going to help people on a bigger scale um, and that's when that's when like you know you could say my whole body just was full of goosebumps and <sighs> finally found the point where I could help the, the number of people that I was always been wanting to kind of yeah have that impact on the world with so so yeah so it's that's that's kind of in a nutshell the story and how it got here it came from definite definitely bad news but from that uh turned into something that's that's proven to be a really wonderful journey for myself and and yeah quite a few people that i've been able to fortunate enough to work with wow amazing story and you mentioned goosebumps actually you actually did give me goosebumps (laughs) yeah yeah definitely you know saying that you know you're wanting to kind of uh, help people on a bigger scale because I can definitely resonate with that and I just think it's just I love hearing um, when people you know work out you know their kind of calling I suppose and you probably would agree with me that's where you kind of feel that you're at that you finally found that you're yeah that your reason for sort of being here and what you're doing because you and you love it so much and there was a lot of long period of time where I was kind of I wouldn't probably use the word depressed, but I was very, very troubled with the fact that I'd spent so many years of my life studying engineering. Oh, yeah. And I felt like I was then Absolutely. giving it up. But mm. honestly, I still feel now like I am like I am doing engineering because really what engineering is is problem solving. And it's problem solving in an efficient way that prevents waste. Uh, and it's problem solving in a way that makes everything function better and, and feel better and work better. And that's really what I'm doing with families now. And so I'm, I feel kind of like it's, yes, it, there's an element of what to eat and, and we're talking about specific foods, but it's really the functionality and the how mm. that has made that big shift for people. Mm, absolutely, um, you know, 100%. And you probably wouldn't have gained those skills had you not gone through, um, you know, to become an engineer, even yeah. though that you didn't sort of eventually using it. So, uh, yeah, I think there's never a, um, you know, there's never any mistakes. Like we meant to just go through life and with trial and doing things and it just sets us on the path. Um, yeah, so fascinating. So my next question then would be when working with your clients, what would you say? see as the biggest hurdles faced by people when it comes to getting their kitchens organized for eating healthy oh that's a good one Um, (laughs) okay so the hurdles yes I do have a lot of people say to me I feel like I know what I should be doing and I just can't implement it so I have a kind of delved into that quite deeply and if I had to say what the I guess what the top hurdle would be I think it's probably best painted as a bit of an, al- an analogy. So if you, if you imagine saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to paint this bedroom in the house, right? 
it's kind of a project that can drag on longer than we expect it to. And there's lots of pieces to that. You know, you, you can't just get out the paint bucket. You actually have to sand the walls and then you got to tape the edges and then you got to protect the carpets and whatever. Like there's a lot of steps to it, right? So until you've actually fully completed the project, you can't say I've painted the room, right? Until then you're just painting the room <laughs> as in it's a work in progress and maybe not a comfortable one at that. So when it comes to organization, I think this is where some of the misunderstanding comes in is people say, oh, yeah, no, I've 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 gotten organized and then it hasn't lasted or, you know, I just oh, keep. Yeah. Right. Mm. Well, I think it's because they haven't fully painted the room as in we haven't fully understood all the pieces to what the term is of getting organized. Right. So I think the biggest hurdle that people are facing is not putting all the pieces of the puzzle together in such a way that it can stick and maintain itself ongoing. So I can I'll talk more about what those specific pieces are in a sec. But I think the other thing to understand is that organization is not something that people are born with. And I think a lot of people just say, oh, you know, I'm not naturally an organized person. And, you know, I, I just don't think I have it in me. Well, <laughs> no one does. <laughs> It's a skill just like anything else. And you know, oh, I feel better now. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, some people might pick up that skill earlier in life than others, but mm. it's nothing that is unlearnable, if that makes sense. Um, it definitely helps to have a bit of a, of a setup in place, right? Which is what I'm talking about with having all those pieces in, in place at once. But it is a skill and it is something that if you've never actually been shown how to do it or uh, I guess, taught in some shape or form, then it's kind of strange that we just expect ourselves to just figure it out, right? Mm. It, it's kind of like how you might feel, Audra, being a nutritionist where, you know, maybe in our society or the fact that we humans eat food every day, we're expected to just understand, you know, we should just be good at that, shouldn't we? Because we have to do it three times a day. But it doesn't mean that we know what we should be putting in our mouth or how to do it in the best form. So it's really this element of, of skill, essentially. And I think if people would stop putting so much guilt and pressure on themselves to say, mm. oh, I should be an organized person, mm. I should have done the meal planning, I should have done the shopping list. Yeah. Um, it's, that's just a lot of unnecessary pressure. And until a person gains, I guess, that little bit of extra knowledge to see how it all comes together, then in the meantime, it's just unnecessary guilt. <laughs> mm. So the first thing, the first step there is to take the pressure off yourself and realize that you shouldn't just be expected to just be born with this stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's one thing. Uh, and in terms of the actual pieces that we would be putting together so that you do feel organized, there's an element of physical setup. So your physical layout of what you stock in your pantry plays a big role in how easy it is to pull a meal together, let alone a meal that you actually want to be putting in your body. Okay. And all too often I hear people say things like, oh yeah, but you know, just in the event of a really big rush or something not going to plan, I just like having these couple of things there as in packaged, really packaged process items in the pantry, just in case I'm in a rush. Well, that's possibly true in some cases. However, if they're in the pantry, I don't know about you, particularly Audra or your listeners, but if I've got, you know, chocolate hiding in the pantry, I know that it's there. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's then too easy to, to go mm. deep into that. Um, so there is an element of the initial setup in the pantry. And I'm a firm believer that if you don't want to put something in your body, don't bring it into the house. 
Um, and it sounds simple, and yet the application of that for some people is quite challenging because there's a lot wrapped in that. There's a lot of emotion wrapped in that. There's a lot of habit wrapped in that. There's a lot of, um, I guess, programming and belief structures we have around certain foods wrapped in that. So this is what I mean by we have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together at once such that everything clicks and it really makes sense such that you, you don't fall back into your old ways. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that habit word is um, is the real, uh, I think, kicker for most people. We, yeah, our, our sort of our, I don't like to say poor, poor sort of um, behaviours, and, and, but it, it kind of is. Um, it, they do, they become a habit and we sort of don't know how to kind of break it. But you really do sound like the, you're the Marie Kondo of the, of the kitchens out there when it comes to organisation. I think we all need an Ashley to just to come into our houses and do a bit of an overhaul because, um, yeah, if you could sort of break it down simply for people so that they can understand it and what you were just saying with the physical aspect straight away. Yeah, and the physical part is, is just one element, right? Mm. Um, then obviously we need to understand how to use it. So if you start stocking more of the foods that you want to be putting in your body, such as the whole foods, like the, the single ingredient items, we call them, um, you know, the individual brown rice, the whole grain brown rice, right? The, uh, you know, anything, um, all your individual ingredients that you would to make your own home-baked goods, um, dried fruits, nuts, seeds, flowers, different, that, that type of thing, the legumes, the beans. Once we start getting those in the pantry, then it's a matter of understanding how we're going to pull that together efficiently. So, uh, I'm kind of a, a big, <laughs> a big nut on uh, on waste, preventing waste, and doing things more effectively and efficiently. So, one of the major things I like helping people get a handle on is having premixes in their pantry. So we talk a lot, like we work a lot. Um, yep. Look at a recipe. If it has a fair amount of dry ingredients, can we make up a, a triple, quadruple, maybe five times batch of the dry ingredients and have that on hand so that when you go to make that recipe, it takes you potentially less than half the amount of time because you've already got the majority of those things measured out and all you have to do is add in a certain weight or quantity of um, the premix. So that's one one step that can really save people a lot of headspace and a lot of, I guess, my recipes I've set up for that. For example, um, the seedy Sicilian pizza crust is probably one of the family favorites amongst people because even on a hectic, busy Friday night, you can come home and within, honestly, we've measured this, within nine minutes, you can have your pizza crusts in the oven doing their pre-bake while you get all the toppings ready. And by the time you've got the toppings ready, take the crust out of the oven, you finish the toppings, finish the pizzas and then, uh, and cook them. So instead of having to reach for takeaway, um, because you had that premix in the pantry and because it's so quick to just add the wet ingredients, spread it flat, chuck it in the oven. Um, it, it's been a game changer for people. And this is, these are the key little things that if people do enough of these pieces of the puzzle, at once then all of a sudden we get this sense of momentum and we get this sense of results like we, we get to experience the benefits enough that it propels us to then continue this new way of doing things mm, that's a great strategy obviously focusing on the the non-perishable type foods that you can do that for yes exactly yeah 
And that's just, that's a great, great starting place. And, you know, I, gosh, there's endless little strategies um, I could go into, but um, the key comes down to um, knowing that with most things with organization, it's a matter of getting it sorted once and then you benefit from it forever. And that could be something as simple as, you know, labeling your food in your pantry if you're going to go down the path of, you know, having whole foods and stocking in the jars or containers. If you put labels on them, that can be the difference between only you knowing what's there versus everyone else in the family being able to contribute and know what's there as well. Um, and it can be something as simple as getting yourself a bigger bowl to mix with. Mm. And, and people are kind of amazed when I say, yeah. you know, as simple as go and get yourself a bigger bowl. But the number of people that say, wow, that was a game changer. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious because there's all these little stresses that add up in a kitchen. And um, and I think that's what takes a lot of the joy out of it for people as they've never been shown how to do things more joyfully <laughs> uh, in the kitchen as far as operation goes. Mm. Look what I contribute or what I consider to be part of the term getting organized is putting all those little tiny, seemingly insignificant pieces together such that all of a sudden you can maintain the organization because it's so much easier this new way. Yeah, great, great tips. I guess my first thing when I think about that, and I'm trying to think of being in the, you know, the shoes of the listeners as well, is, you know, when we go to kind of label things, I automatically think uh, kind of want to go into a bit of a perfectionism mode and think, okay, well, now I'm going to have to go out now and buy all these matching jars and and so forth to before I actually go and do that. Um, what do you sort of say about that? <laughs> yeah, well, again, this it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, the jars don't mm. have to match. Um, the labels don't have to be anything more than masking tape and, and uh, permanent marker, right, if that's what you want. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's more that if that's going to mean such an, an easier access for you or uh, so much less stress when it comes to needing to go shopping. So, for example, if you were to get everything in jars and or containers in the, in the pantry, then when you go shopping, if there's an empty container on the shelf, you know that you need to get that. Whereas if you're just shopping with the packets that the things come in and you don't, you know, transfer it into anything or purchase differently, then when the packet's empty, you throw the packet out and then you forget that you had that or needed that or wanted to stock that. Oh, good point. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And the new way of shopping, and I really feel this is up to a lot of us, regardless of how stressed we feel, is to have some element of responsibility with the amount of waste that we're creating. And when we, um, when we set ourselves up with containers or jars, for example, as our means of holding food in our pantry, predominantly, it's not 100%, right? But then we can shop in a different way. It facilitates shopping in a different way. And this is where this flow on effect happens of, of exactly what I mean by having all the pieces of the puzzle together. So that one little thing might seem so insignificant, such as getting yourself jars or containers in the pantry. But the flow on effect of that now means that you can take that jar or container to a different style store and and shop differently. So instead of buying everything in plastic and buying things in retail quantities, like small little tiny piddly quantities, you can go and go get it say for example a larger quantity let's just say oatmeal okay so you're stocking up on oatmeal you can go buy a larger quantity of oatmeal which in many cases means you can get a better price for that because that's mm. how it is yep yep and it means that you're saving time because you're not having to go five times to get little packets of it you can just go once and stock up okay so you're saving money you're saving time you're preventing the plastic waste and 
you're saving the amount of time and stress of when it goes into your pantry, you know that you've got oatmeal in stock. You're not freaking out about, do I have things? Do I, do I not have it? So you know, because you can see the container there, you know that it's got oats in it, for example. Um, and there's this whole flow-on effect beyond that of this seemingly insignificant thing as transferring your, your foods into containers on a shelf rather than um, buying in plastic packets and things like that. Mm, great idea, going down to bulk foods, um, source bulk foods or somewhere like that and, um, yeah, stocking up. It's a great idea. I've often tried to train my husband that each time we, f- we finish a packet or, you know, of something, I get him to write it on the list on the fridge. But, of course, that doesn't always go to plan. <laughs> um, but what you're suggesting uh, can definitely help uh, with that. That's for sure. Great. Mm. So my next question then is... Um, like I know that you mentioned that you, what you do is designed to like help people to love being in the kitchen um, and that it's not a chore. How do you do that? Because I know in this day and age that a lot of people are, you know, on that track that they just really dislike cooking and that, yes, there's many reasons for it and being, dis, you know, not organised is probably one of them. But you know, transitioning somebody from, you know, really hating cooking to kind of wanting to love being in the kitchen. I think if you can do that, that is amazing because that's just going to make it so much um, more attractive and people are wanting to kind of get in there and take care of their health and, and, and cook. Yes, 100%. And in all, in all fairness and honesty, we have to eat for the rest of our lives. So why wouldn't we want to figure out how to enjoy it, right? Mm, um, I, I true. Exact number that was calculated, but um, in terms of the amount of time that we would spend eating and/or preparing a meal um, or doing something food-related, it adds up to many, many years of our lives. Yeah. Um, I mean, even shopping alone. This is what we can compare it to. So this is kind of mind-blowing for people, and this is definitely tied into loving it or hating it. Um, but even the the task of grocery shopping. So we we did a study uh, on this to figure out how much time that actually added up to for people, and we have to include, you know, the getting. To to the shops and the getting home from the shops and putting everything away yeah. it's not grocery shopping it was staggering staggering numbers so we did did the math you know uh, each piece broke it down measured it and um, what it ended up being is if you are the primary grocery shopper from say the age of 18 to 78 that's 60 years of grocery shopping <gasps> and well yeah but hang on I'll tell you how much time that actually adds up yeah right? Yeah. Over 60 years. So if um, if you end up on average going to a form of food shop four times a week, it ended up working out to being four years of your life in 10-hour days. Oh, oh my gosh. Four years of grocery shopping. That doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> four solid years. That's not just weekdays. That's four solid years worth mm. of 10-hour days of grocery shopping in your lifetime. And, and this is not for sure shopping for nice things like shoes and <laughs> right? we're talking groceries um so that alone if you compare that obviously we spend more time when it comes to you know eating and preparing food so you can imagine how much more it is we might as well enjoy it so coming back to that i mean that's one little hint as it is is shop half as as often okay and and this might be more challenging as a sh- or you might think it's more challenging as a shift worker because your schedule might feel a little bit more all over mm, the place yeah but less routine so in that case, what I'd recommend um, would be to, and again, this comes back to planning. For every 15 minutes of planning that you do, you can save up to, if not more than, an hour in your week. 
Okay. So it's a little bit of discipline initially until you get that momentum to go, Oh my gosh, this is right. This feels so much better. I feel so much less stressed when I do this. Things just flow easier. I'm eating better quality foods because of this 15 minutes of planning that I do. Um, and you know, maybe if you do half an hour of planning, you can save two hours in your week of wasted or inefficient time spent otherwise. So in that, in that, planning time, um, one thing you can do to enjoy it more. I mean, that, that is the thing you can do to enjoy it more as well, but is, is literally that little bit of thought can make you shop half as often because you have a little bit more forward thinking into what I might need. Right. Um, and, or you can be directing some of that energy into doing some more ordering online nowadays. That's, mm. that's much a time saving yeah. option. Um, and in many cases it's a, it's a money saving option as well. Um, so that's one aspect, but it's, it's a little bit by the by. So coming back to, uh, what we do to help people love it. The first and foremost thing is that, um, I guess people have to, to want to get there because it might not be, um, you know, a, a, a rock and party the first day <laughs> on that mission. Um, but you have to want to get there and to want to, it might be hard to imagine what it's like to love the kitchen space if you never have. And so I think the part of the, we humans are very resourceful humans, I believe. And we are very able to figure things out when we have a strong enough reason why. So if, if you think about it, the whole reason why it's important for us to love the kitchen is because of our health. Mm. And it's kind of like the whole reason why it's important that we find babies cute <laughs> is that we look after them and that we love them and we give them a fighting chance in this world, right? This has actually been um, been studied on, on little little animals and young things. The reason why they're so cute is from a, um, an evolutionary perspective. Oh, wow. Yeah. After them, right? Yeah. So the same reason, the same effect goes with kitch- uh, loving the kitchen is if we don't love it, we're going to be well, inevitably less healthy in some shape or form because we're not putting as much time and energy into mm. space that is where I believe our health is created mm. or not created. So definitely um, understanding it and building that sense of re- that sense of purpose or that reason within yourself is a really key ingredient to loving that kitchen space is to really wanting better health for yourself and understanding that it is created in the kitchen space. So that's really the the first step. Um, The second step is, again, kind of like anything else in our life that you love. So think of a hobby or a task or a, you know, um, a favorite sport or something that you love. The reason, chances are the reason why you love it, or at least in part, is because you're good at it. Okay. And because you have this level of confidence there that you know that you can, you can get a result, you can achieve, you can do really well at it. Right. So when we, um, when we have confidence, when we have, uh, when we have confidence, we can, we can love it more. So let's kind of backtrack from that. So if we Mm. want to love something, we can probably all agree that some element of confidence in that is necessary, right? Mm. It's a good point. Really good point. Yeah. And so what, what builds confidence? Well, skills. Okay. And practice. Yeah. Skills, practice, right? And you keep asking that question and you get down to it and you go, okay, well, maybe I would love this more if I could just give a little bit more priority to it in my life for a period of time. It doesn't have to be forever, but give it a little bit more priority as in you, you allot it a little bit more time potentially in your life so that you're less stressed in the kitchen, first of all. Um, and if with that priority then comes the space 
to then develop that skills and then we go back up that line you know practice breeds skills breeds confidence breeds love of the kitchen um, and like I said it's it's not forever we just have to do it long enough so that we can get to the point where we don't really have to think about it much and when you get to that point it's because you're confident in it you know what you're doing you don't have to think about it much it's easy therefore it's more enjoyable and it's less stressful and next thing you know you're feeling better and then you're getting a better result and then you know it just it's that self-perpetuating momentum is what we want to try to to get you in the right direction as opposed to the downward spiral direction mm, i love that that's yeah yeah Really, yeah, really, really good, really, really good tips. I think um, I remember talking to a client uh, a little while ago now and her, she didn't cook a lot of the time because she, yeah, she didn't like her kitchen. It was really small. She was living in an apartment. It just, and it really just wasn't really conducive to being a good space um, for her. You know, she had a big table there that was just taking up so much room and and so forth. And just after a few little conversations, you know, I basically suggested that, you know, maybe it might be a good idea to kind of reconfigure your kitchen. Um, So I think she, I think she did eventually. And so, you know, off off to Ikea or somewhere that she went, you know, just to get some ideas. And I I think our uh, consultation ended up costing her way more than she ever thought (laughs) because she ended up redoing her kitchen. But it was yeah just kind of finding a way to want to be in the kitchen and 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 as you say I think that's really good um about talking about you know the more confidence that we become when we're cooking the better at it we do and and we yeah we enjoy it we enjoy the result um that we see uh and so forth that I just yeah I, I love that so what would your top three appliances be that you would recommend every shift worker have in their kitchen to make it super easy for them. Yeah, and that's good. That that definitely ties into the love of the kitchen as well because similar to your example with your friend not having a great space to work in, mm. that's a really big reason why people don't love it is if, you know, I mean, you can imagine being a house builder and not having a drill or not having a nail gun, like doing everything kind of the hard way. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. You know, feel like you're wasting time and it's not enjoyable and you hurt yourself more often and so it's it's no different in the kitchen space and definitely having the right tool for the job is not only a stress saver but it's a time saver yeah um so i think probably the biggest or, or the most commonly used piece of equipment um second to a really good sharp chef knife (laughs) most people are working with really dull knives and that's just one of those other little added stresses that Mm. you might not realize when you're cutting with it that it's causing you stress but that added up with having too small of a chopping board such that everything's kind of you have to cut carefully so you don't spill off the edges and then you're you're faffing about trying to get everything still to stay on the cutting board (laughs) Oh, Ashley, I'm giggling as you're saying this because I can just relate so much. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> little things add up. Mm. And then if you have enough little things adding up, all of a sudden you throw your hands up and go, oh, I couldn't be stopped. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So, yeah, so I think the sharp, having a good sharp knife um, is probably the number one most important piece of equipment that would benefit everyone um, because everyone has to start with a knife in some cases in the kitchen. Mm. Um Second to that, I would bring in the technology version of a knife, which is called a food processor. 
Uh, doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can even pick them up secondhand pretty commonly because a lot of people get gifted them and don't know how to use them. <laughs> so uh, it's great. Just go on ha- go online and, and get a secondhand one. Um, even for a hundred bucks, you can get a, a decent food processor that's just going to do a lot of chopping for you or a lot of blitzing. It just saves you the manual labor essentially and, and saves you a lot of time. And I'm a big fan of using technology for what it's designed for. So food processor would definitely be number two. Um, number three. Now this, oh, this is tricky because it depends a little bit on how you eat and and what you like to eat. But if you're def- if you're aiming towards more and more of a healthier diet to give yourself more options, I'd probably say a really good blender would be the sec the third one. And the reason for that is um, if you get a really kind of high speed, good quality blender, then it's, it can be the difference between enjoying a fairly green smoothie, for example, and not really being able to drink it many times over. Um, so if you have kind of just your run-of-the-mill blender, it will not get the smoothie as smooth. And therefore, if you're having a fairly you know, push-the-boundary green smoothie, for example, you'll kind of be chewing as you're drinking. Mm. <laughs> and for most people, that's like that's too much, right? Yeah. That's too much. We've already pushed the boundaries uh, enough. Whereas if you get the really good quality blender, it actually, it, I, I cannot tell you the difference. It's just, it comes down to the blender. It comes down to the equipment. How much healthier or how much more, if I use the word green, we can make something and still have a person enjoy drinking it. Mm. So it does make a difference, the quality of equipment that you have. Um, and I'm not, we're not just talking smoothies for the blender. I mean, it makes the nice, smooth, creamy hummus or it'll, it'll facilitate a beautiful pesto or you can make, you know, um, warm soups in a blender. You can, especially if you're doing shift working, I just think the blender is going to be the most important tool to get high quality and high quantity nutrition into a very portable, um, means of, you know, food that will last a long time. Okay. Um, so I'd be, I'd be making, uh, a big smoothie for taking with me on a shift if I was doing that, especially a night shift. Um, I definitely would go to that with a smoothie in hand and I would just put it in. Now they've got really nice double insulated smoothie cups that have a, a stainless steel straw. But I definitely get one of those because um, there's like they'll, they'll keep it cold for potentially, you know, 12, 12 hours, if you will. So I wouldn't drink it all at once. I just nurse it over the next couple of hours and especially coming into into night shift where we don't want to be necessarily putting too big of a load on our digestion, but we exactly. still need that nourishment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that could be a game changer for, for you doing it and enjoying it or, or not wanting to do it again. Mm, excellent. Yeah. And, and, and even alternating it with uh, with the soups too because I, I, yes. I recommend that all the time because at night time our body temperature drops during the night as well when you get these cold chills at 3, three or 4 o'clock in the morning. So yeah. sometimes we, we're sort of craving that that warmth. But definitely, yeah, alt- alternating it with a smoothie to have that more of that liquid nutrition um, is is a great idea. Um, so, yeah, and, yeah, you got a very good point. Not all blenders are equal or not all appliances are equal in in various ways so that it can be a deal breaker between something tasting good um and not tasting yeah yeah too key to be enjoyable yeah absolutely yeah. particularly if you're having it at three o'clock in the morning just quietly <laughs> it's even more, even more it can be it can be as simple as like you know a, 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 my thai pumpkin soup recipe or something which totally so yeah. to 
well, but um, something totally. simple, warm and nourishing. Um, so just in case someone is looking for a blender, you want to get at least a thousand watts, but it's mostly important we look at the RPM. Um, the RPM of the blades is probably the most important, and we want to get that up to, um, I can't remember the exact numbers of the, of the top-end blenders, but the equivalent of the Vitamix or the equivalent of the um, Optimum blender in Australia uh, is, is the Australian version of the Vitamix. Yep. Yep. So, what yeah. about the uh, Thermomix then? Where does that – what's your thoughts so, on that? The Thermomix, um, it, it's, that's kind of another, another topic. I, I definitely don't want to um, say blanket – for everyone that it is 100% suitable. Um, it's, it's kind of a happy medium between a food processor and a blender, but I don't necessarily think that it does either one as perfectly well as the other. Um, that being said, if you can get one, it's I have one and it's it's wonderful. I love it. But I'm not saying it's necessarily for every single family, especially mm. from a budget perspective. You might yeah. be better off getting a really good food processor and a really good blender, and that'll still only put you back about half the cost of a family. Yeah. Depends on a person's situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, awesome tips. And I've just got one more because I know I'm a bit mindful of your time, uh, Ashley. This has, been, this has definitely been a great conversation. But I did have a little bit of a sticky beak on your website and I noticed that you offered um, something called a do-it-yourself pantry flip. Now, that sounds really intriguing. What on earth is a pantry flip? <laughs> I think I need one, but it's <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, it sounds great. <laughs> Well, it started out with, uh, yeah, with me doing doing them physically for people in their kitchens, mm, and, gotcha. and basically what it means is um, it's it starts out with food education. So obviously we have to help you understand why we would be stocking different things in your pantry. But then the flip came about from realizing that if people got to the point where they wanted to stock these other ingredients in their pantry. But they were afraid that they didn't know how they'd use them, or they were afraid that they wouldn't know what to cook, and they'd be lost without their old comfort items or packaged items, if you will. Then this this day came about, and so it was basically myself and my assistant. We'd go into people's houses. Actually, we still do them, but not as not as often. Um, and we'd help spend an entire day with them all about food education, but in the process, completely cleaning out, decluttering, um, like physically washing their pantry, and then setting it back up um, with, for example, the jars and the the labeled jars, um, and helping them understand how they were going to use this pantry from then on. Um, in the process, you know, going through talking about what's in these packaged foods and what it might be doing to your body. And do you want to continue to stock this one? If not, what's a better option that you can use? Uh, and really kind of holding people's hand through that process of transition so that you end up with a very functional, highly organized and physically beautiful um, mm. pantry from which I believe most of our health is, is either created or not created. Um, so that's that. But the DIY version then is me giving away all those secrets and all the engineering tips on how we make that space really functional and how um, how we organize it in such a way that if you are really tight on space or you don't necessarily have a, a designated pantry, how we can still set you up to have healthy food and, and to, to be eating in a way that's much more supportive of your body, let alone your your schedule and your sleeping um, differences with, with the rest of society that isn't doing shift working. So the 
DIY aspect is is that uh, me stepping you through that in the form of instructional videos and checklists and helping you really get set up for that day or that couple of days where you will do that physical uh, transformation yourself or that that clean out the declutter and, and stepping you through that process. Mm, sounds fantastic. Is when so that you when you go to open your pantry things don't fall out or you look at it and you just think, oh, my goodness, where do I start? You know, I've got nothing. You know, I think a lot of us have, you know, opened the pantry and said, oh, kids particularly, you know, there's nothing in the fridge, mum, or there's nothing in the pantry to eat. Um, But, yeah, that sounds, um, yeah, I love it. It sounds um, fantastic. Well, look, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Ashley, you've, you've also just reminded me that I have got this can opener in my kitchen drawer that I have to throw out. It's driving me nuts each time I, I go to get it. I said I don't use a lot of cans food, but every now and then I'll just realise that I'll need to use it because if they don't have the thing to pull off, you know, some of the cans yeah. you can just, yeah, every time I get a can that requires a can opener, I'll remind myself thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to get a new can opener because this one doesn't work well. It takes me 45 minutes to open a can. <laughs> Not quite, slight exaggeration. Um <laughs> But you've just reminded me that that's uh, yeah one little thing I need to um, to reduce my stress in the kitchen and to make my you know more enjoyable and it's a a, a great place to kind of be in and um, yeah look I as I said I've just really enjoyed this conversation I know that um, you know a lot of our listeners are going to get a bit of insight from it as well like I alluded to at the beginning I think there's just so much information out there on what to eat and it's all very relevant and I know that that is also something that you talk about as well but that's kind of where it tends to stop because people get a bit lost as to okay well how how do I do that and I know that the how is a lot of what you talk about with what you do with the workshops and online programs that you run um so would you mind yeah sharing um you know for anybody that wants to get in touch uh with you Ashley and sort of learn more about what you do Yes, for sure. So um, most of the information uh, about me you can find on either the website, which is thekitchencoach.com.au or .com, either one works, and uh, my Facebook page, which uh, is thekitchencoachau, as in for Australia. So thekitchencoachau, all one word, uh, on Facebook. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, a free, well, one of my books will be sending to your listeners um, by email if they would like. So we'll make sure you guys get the details for that um, as well. And that's got a whole bunch of the recipes and and that CD Sicilian pizza base I talked about, I believe is in Mm. that one as well. Uh, And I think the Thai pumpkin soup. Yeah. So lots of different options that that you could use straight away. Um, We do have an event tour coming up in Australia around, um, well, actually pretty much all over Australia. So if you want to come along to an event and get a whole bunch more details, this event tour is called the Organized Kitchen, um, believe it or not. on a very similar topic and uh so those are all those details are on the website um tickets are actually selling now for most of them so you might want to jump in on that one and what else gosh there's uh oh and there's a retreat at the end of the year actually it's our first kitchen coach retreat wow <laughs> retreat <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah immersed in um immersed in the space and surrounded by like-minded people who are genuinely on this mission to feel better and get organized um then that's an option too um i believe there's only about six spaces left for that so so that's another option at the moment and as usual kind of the flagship program that everyone uh who really gets wants this transformation and wants it to be a permanent lifestyle shift as opposed to a fad diet um mm. everyone especially that feels like you've tried everything else and just nothing has 
stuck or worked, um, is, is the Kitchen Reset Program. And that you can you can find more information about or inquire with us online and we can have a have a chat to give you all your answers and, and um, speak with you about whether that's appropriate for you. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's the that's a twelve week program and that's probably the, the flagship um, starting point for a lot of people. Uh, there's heaps of other ways to get involved beyond that. Uh, I've got a membership as well for people where I send out a project every month to keep you on the whole food journey. Um, but yeah, probably the first port of call would be to connect with us and uh, and send me a message if you're interested to, to get serious about getting organized and feeling like your life is back into control and you're on a healthier journey forward. Mm, great. Lots of different options. And I like that you do have a bit of that online sort of presence as well, because I know I've got listeners all around the world. Um, so yes. f- from all different countries around, not just Australia and Canada. I know that there's a lot of um, other listeners as well. So that could be a great option for uh, for quite a few people. And the the tour sounds really exciting. So, um, and the retreat, does this mean that people can take you home after attending the retreat? <laughs> definitely for people overseas or outside of australia that aren't willing to to fly over for yeah. a retreat, the kitchen reset <laughs> program is definitely the best protocol yeah um, that's something we can do internationally we can ship you the materials and everything as well and yeah. um, it, it is the most transformational in terms of laying the foundations so strong and the real reason why i am doing this is honestly for the next generation because i don't think it's acceptable that people in their 20s get autoimmune disease like I did, let alone the younger mm. years of what we're seeing now in kids. So yes, I have to work with the parents right now. And I love working with your beautiful moms usually. Um, however, the reason why we are doing this on a bigger scale is to put that uh, interjection, if you will, into the current pattern of things and the current trajectory that we're on when you look at the health statistics. Um, so it, it is really about helping your kids understand how to do this so that they don't know any different. Um, and that was one thing I didn't mention with the pantry flip is that the whole reason for this is every single time that kids in particular open those doors of the pantry and look for something to eat they are being programmed on a subconscious level as to what you define as food right so they are Mm. having their programming every single time they open that door as to what is food and if you if that so-called stuff in that pantry or that cupboard is not actually serving their body and not something that we actually want to define as nourishment for their body, then we need to, we need to flip that. And that's where the pantry flip kind of came about. So yeah, putting all these pieces of the puzzle together, I can't tell you, it's not, it's nowhere near as hard as people think. And if we do it in the right order, then you'll get the results and the rewards to propel you into that next step so much more easily. Mm. Well, I'm, I am, I'm going to be calling you the Marie Kondo of the kitchen coaching world <laughs> because I think uh, many that have done the Marie Kondo um, process, they they find it just a huge weight off their shoulders. And uh, and I love, obviously, it, it, this type of thing, it, it comes back to all about helping to improve our health and well-being and shift workers. Unfortunately, we are very, very vulnerable to a lot of um chronic health conditions including autoimmune disease unfortunately because of a lot of um, disruption to our sleep-wake cycle so we do need to be doing whatever we possibly can to help prevent that um, from happening and I and I know that it is possible but it just takes a bit of work and a bit of creativity and and being a bit savvy with with what we do so yeah but thank you very much for joining me Ashley it's been an absolute pleasure I'm so, I just can't believe I haven't come across you before uh, and I know that we live fairly close I'm in Brisbane you're up on the Sunshine Coast so how on earth I have 
haven't crossed paths with you um, before is is amazing. Um, But I'm certainly glad that I have now and that I can share what you do with our listeners. And I know um, just this conversation that we've had today has definitely been um, super valuable. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you to all you wonderful listeners for everything that you are doing, not only for your own health, um, but also if you have any little kidlets out there too. Thank you. It does. Uh, it does contribute to the mission <laughs> definitely absolutely well that's it for another edition of the healthy shift worker podcast if you enjoyed the show please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit as this will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world if there is a particular topic or guest that you'd like me to bring on the show feel free to let me know via email at audra at healthyshiftworker.com and we can look into that for you thanks so much for tuning in and listening Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24-7. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.